No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Nehemiah assigns leadership to others so that he can focus on building up the inner city. Once again, we discover useful leadership principles. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Nehemiah chapter 7 on Simply the Bible. Through Nehemiah's leadership, the wall of Jerusalem had been rebuilt in 52 days. It was an amazing feat. But if you think that the enemy was just going to quit now, well, that certainly wasn't going to happen. And Nehemiah knew that that wouldn't happen. But Nehemiah was ready to move on to a new project. In order to do that, however, it meant that he needed to delegate some responsibility. We continue now in Nehemiah chapter 7. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. So the wall was built. Hallelujah. Everybody was rejoicing except the enemy who was angry and discouraged that they had actually done it. And Nehemiah knew that unless they posted a good guard, well, they would be vulnerable to the enemy's attack. It seems that whenever we gain ground, the enemy is always trying to get it back. Now, Nehemiah wanted to turn his attention to begin to rebuild the inner city. But in order to do that, he needed to establish leadership that would continue to watch over the outer walls and watch for the enemy. The example of good leadership is that it's not a one-man show where the one in charge is unwilling to loosen his grip on the reins, but a good leader knows how to appoint gifted people and delegate the responsibility as well as the authority to them. Now, that's essential because you've got to trust the people that you are delegating tasks to. Nehemiah had been in charge of the wall project, but he didn't need to be in charge of everything. Nehemiah was not only good in the driver's seat, but he also mastered the art of delegation. And that is a vital skill for the effective leader. Now, the advantage of doing this is that Nehemiah would be able to focus totally on his new calling, this new chapter. And I love the fact that there is change in life where we can be doing one thing and then uh, God opens up a new chapter to us. And that's always a time of great creativity and zeal in that new activity, but that's what Nehemiah needed to be able to do, and he needed to be able to release the management of the wall to somebody else. Now, that would also open the door for others to be raised up to positions of leadership, and that's always exciting when we are able to delegate responsibility and raise up new leadership 
in the church especially. You know, we are to equip the saints for works of service. D.L. Moody said, I'd rather get 10 men to do the job than to do the job of 10 men. Well said. So Nehemiah gave charge of Jerusalem to two men, Hananiah and Hananiah. Hananiah was Nehemiah's brother who brought him the news of Jerusalem when Nehemiah was still serving as cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Obviously, Nehemiah knew Hananiah's brother very well and knew that he was capable and trustworthy. Hananiah was the leader of the citadel. The citadel was a fortress in the temple area guarding the north wall of the city, which was especially vulnerable to attack. Now note the qualifications of Hananiah that stood out to Nehemiah. He was a faithful man who feared God more than many. May I say that God is still looking for people with these qualifications. Now earlier, Nehemiah said to the people, Should you not walk in the fear of our God? To fear God means that we hate the evil that God hates enough to turn away from it. And that is an essential qualification for godly leadership. Then faithfulness is just as important. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. My pastor Louis Neely used to tell us that when all is said and done, the ones God uses are those who just keep showing up. Now, Nehemiah told Hananiah and Hananiah that they would have to appoint guards. That would be part of their duty. First, there would be the gatekeepers. Now, the gatekeepers were responsible to keep the gates shut until the sun was hot and then shut them again at night. During the day, they would make sure that those entering the city were not the enemy, that they were qualified to come in. The walls of the city are only as good as those guarding the gates. The enemy doesn't have to scale the wall if someone at the gate will let him in. The Great Wall of China was penetrated by the enemy at least four times. And each time, the guards were bribed. So as we apply this spiritually, we see that we must always be vigilant. The word vigilant means to keep watch or stay awake. It comes from the word vigil, as in a candlelight vigil. Now, Warren Wiersbe said, If God's people don't protect what they have accomplished for the Lord, the enemy will come in and take it over. That is so true. So we always have to be on our guard. Now, let's consider this practically. We must post a guard at the eye gate and the ear gate. And why is that? Because it is often through our eyes and our ears that the enemy infiltrates our hearts and minds. If we think we can watch things and listen to things and not be affected by them, well, then we're only deceiving ourselves. Because the Bible says God cannot be mocked. You're going to reap whatever you sow. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the Spirit, you reap life. Now, parents need to take this a step further. Because if you're a parent, then you are the gatekeeper of your home. So what do you allow to pass through the gate? Do you know what your children are watching, listening to? What video games they're playing? Do you know what 
friends they are hanging out with and the influence that those friends are having on them. Parents who are effective gatekeepers will never be popular with their children. <laughs> but we are not called to win a popularity contest. We are called to be good stewards of the precious lives that God has entrusted to us. The enemy is far too cunning and the opportunities for evil are far too numerous and available for us to ever let our guard down. So this calls for holy and continuous vigilance. May God help us. Now, this last Sunday, we were watching the Super Bowl at our daughter's house, her and her husband. They have two children. And when it came to the halftime so-called you know, entertainment, uh, our daughter had to shut the television off for the kids' sake, but for our sake as well. Uh, and that's just one of the ways that we have to be vigilant gatekeepers. Now, also, Nehemiah told these two men that they needed to appoint guards at watch stations along the wall so they could see if the enemy was approaching the city. And then also there were people that would post watch in front of their homes and be sort of a neighborhood watch. And in, in this way, uh, everybody could be watchful for what was going on. You know, even to the present day, you go into Israel, they are very vigilant because they have to be. They never know when some missile is going to come in uh, or some bomb's going to go off at a pizza parlor or whatever. So they learn to be very vigilant. Verse 4, now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, and the people that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return. So within the walls of Jerusalem, they had more area than people. Now, part of the problem was that many of the houses were still in ruins. So Nehemiah wanted to build an inner city rebuilding project, sort of inner city renewal, you might say. God put it in Nehemiah's heart to register the people by genealogy. He sought those who could prove that they were legitimate Jews. They already had enough problems with foreign intermarriage leading to divided loyalties and weakened resolve. So Nehemiah sought to repopulate Jerusalem with those who would be loyal to the covenant. Verses 6 through 73 give the genealogy of the first exiles who returned from Babylon. For the most part, this is a repeat of Ezra chapter 2. You can check out that message where we went into detail about that. In all, there were about 50,000 people who returned to Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity and that happened about 90 years earlier. What is important is not the count of the people, but that people count, as revealed by the fact that the Holy Spirit re records their names twice in Scripture. When given the opportunity to return to Jerusalem, most of the Jews living in Babylon remained, but two groups of exiles returned. The group mentioned here and a second group that came with Ezra the priest about 80 years later. Again, Warren Wiersbe said, in leaving Babylon, they did much more than put their names on a list. They laid their lives on the altar and risked everything to obey the Lord and restore the Jewish nation. They were pioneers of faith, 
who trusted God to enable them to do the impossible. You know, we are very much indebted to pioneers of faith in our own lives. We can look at Hebrews chapter 11, the the faith hall of fame, as we look at those patriarchs and heroes of the Old Testament who, by faith, accomplished many great works for the kingdom of God. But we could also look at our ancestors, those forefathers and uh, our parents and so forth that led us in the way of God, mentors, pastors, spiritual leaders, and we imitate their faith. But here we also understand that we are called to provide that example for the next generation, meaning that we need to be vigilant as we are the gatekeepers, the watchmen and so forth, but that we are being watched by the people of our generation, the younger generation that's coming up. And so we also need to provide that example for others. We are pioneers of faith to future generations. And so Nehemiah realizing that he needed to know who was who with the genealogical records so that he could prove the Jews that were there among them and that that would be the basis for them to begin to rebuild the inner city. For Nehemiah was not just content to rebuild the physical walls. He wanted to also rebuild the spiritual lives of the people within the walls. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208 209-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow we'll see where Ezra the priest reads the law while the Levites give the understanding. When the people start to mourn because of their sins, Nehemiah tells them that the joy of the Lord is their strength. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Nehemiah on Simply the Bible.